Hi and welcome to the Mount Hamilton Baptist Church podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. For more information, go to mhbc.ca. This morning's scripture reading is from the book of 1 Kings, uh, and it is chapter 22, uh, verses 1 to 14, uh, and it is on page uh, 288 uh, of the Bibles uh, in the chairs in front of you, uh, if you'd like to follow along. So again, it's 1 Kings 22, verses 1 to 14. For three years, there was no war between Aram and Israel. But in the third year, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went down to see the king of Israel. The king of Israel had said to his officials, Don't you know that Ramoth-Gilead belongs to us? And yet we are doing nothing to retake it from the king of Aram. So he asked Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight against Ramoth-Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, I am as you are, your people as my people, and my horses as your horses. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, First, seek the counsel of the Lord. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets, about 400 men, and asked them, Shall I go to war against Ramoth-Gilead, or shall I refrain? Go, they answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no longer a prophet of the Lord whom we can inquire of? And the king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, There is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord. But I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. (laughs) He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. The king should not say such a thing, Jehoshaphat replied. And so the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, Bring Micaiah, son of Imlah, at once. And dressed in the royal robes, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gate of Samaria, with all the prophets prophesying before them. Now Zedekiah, son of Kenanah, had made iron horns, and he declared, This is what the Lord says. With these you will gore the Arameans until they are destroyed. All the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramoth-Gilead and be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. But the messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, Look, the other prophets, without exception, are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. Thanks, Ian. And so today, I'm going to tell you this story. I've named this sermon, Two Kings and 401 Prophets. It's a great story, and it's one that some of you, even if you've spent a lot of time in the Bible, may not be all that familiar with. And I love this story because I admit it makes me smile, and it makes me laugh, but it also makes me think. So I'm going to tell, I'm going to retell the part you heard, um, and then I'm also going to finish the rest of the story. You may notice you were left hanging. There's going to be some pictures to help you follow. This week I thought, there is some Sunday school teacher somewhere who's put pictures together for this story, and there is. So these are not actual likenesses of the people, (laughs) but hopefully they will help you keep track of the story. 
So as I said, the story is about two, starts with two kings, kings of two different territories, Ahab to the north of Israel and Jehoshaphat, a name I always found hilarious as a child, to the south in Judah. Now, you might be confused about why there's two parts of this kingdom now. Last week, I talked about a king named Solomon. I said, you know, there was a king of Israel, and there was King Saul, and then David and Solomon. But this is a few generations later. And what's happened is the kingdom has divided in two. And now the north is known as Israel, and the south is known as Judah. Sometimes when you read the Bible, that will be confusing, because sometimes Israel is used to describe the country collectively. To the north, the king is Ahab. And Ahab in scripture, we are told, he is remembered as a bad king. A bad king because he turned from the Lord. There's a lot of stories in scriptures about in scripture about Ahab and how he acted. He's one of the villains of scripture, to be honest. To the south, there's Jehoshaphat, and he is remembered as a good king, a king who followed God and loved the true God. In this story, Jehoshaphat has gone north to visit Ahab, which was kind of a big deal. Since the nation had split in two, there's no other account of the kings connecting. So it would seem there's an attempt at better relationships, maybe an allegiance. In fact, Jehoshaphat, um, they're two of their children, Ahab's children, they'd recently gotten married. But now Jehoshaphat goes to visit, and it's like a royal visit, very much like visits that we see today. And so there's a big deal made, right? And they say, uh, they, it says there's a big feast. But while they're there, Ahab says, Jehoshaphat, Will you go to battle with me to get Ramoth Gilead? And you can see it on the map there. And here's what's happened. A few years before this, Israel had been at war with the nation next to them. And at the end of that war, that nation had lost. And in the treaty, they'd agreed to return cities that should have been Israel. But a few years have passed, and they haven't returned Ramoth Gilead. Not cool. And so Ahab says, we shouldn't be letting this happen. Will you come and we can get back this land that should be ours? Will you make this wrong right? And for whatever reason, maybe Jehoshaphat is conscious of, you know, keeping this allegiance going well. Maybe he's aware of what could happen if this other, you know, their enemies get more power. You know, they're next, right, if they come south. But either way, he says, okay, my horses are your horses. My soldiers are your soldiers. But remember, Jehoshaphat is the godly king. And he says, but we should ask God. And so Ahab says, okay. And he gathers together, it says, 400 prophets. And they all say, you should go. You will be victorious. You will win. In fact, there's one named Zedekiah. He's represented in the white here. He even uses a visual aid. He makes it says, he makes some horns and he holds them up to his head. And he says, this is what it's going to be like. It's going to be like you're going to gouge them like a bull. Jehoshaphat says, isn't there a prophet of the Lord we could ask? So I don't know what those other prophets were like, but Jehoshaphat's spidey senses are up, and he's like, I'm not sure about this. And so um, Ahab says what I think is a truly hilarious line. A few of you smiled, but if you missed it, let me say it again. He says, there's one prophet, but I hate him because he always says stuff I don't like. (laughs) Guys, that's funny. That's hilarious. Don't we all do that? And so Jehoshaphat says, we should ask him. His name is Micaiah. 
So a messenger is sent to get Micaiah, and I think in another very telling moment and humorous moment, the messenger actually says to Micaiah, dude, listen, all the other guys are saying the same thing, you should say that too. And Micaiah says, I can only say what God's told me to say. Great line. That's where we stopped. You want to know what happened? I'm going to tell you anyway. It's great. Whether I think, I think it's a really interesting story. So Micaiah stands before King Ahab, and initially he says, go and attack Ramoth Gilead and you will be successful. But I can only assume that he said it kind of like this, sure, go and attack Ramoth Gilead and you will be successful. Because what happens is, uh, it says that Ahab replies and says, how many times must I swear that you tell me nothing but the truth? So he senses he's lying or sarcastic. And then it says that Micaiah answers, well, actually, I saw, we're not at this picture yet, so you're not confused, but no, I know, Terry, you couldn't know that. I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, these people have no masters. Let each one go to their home in peace. So what he says is, um, I saw your army and they're in battle and they have no leader anymore. What he says is, you're going to die if you go to this battle because the kings led the battle. And then in this great moment, you can guess what Ahab says. He says to Jehoshaphat, see, I told you he always says bad stuff about me. He's like, I hate this guy. (laughs) And then uh, Micaiah continues and he shares more of this vision and he shares this really fascinating vision. He says actually that he saw a vision from the Lord and he saw God sitting on the throne and he asks his angels, what should I do to entice Ahab into battle? And the angels say, put a lying spirit in the false prophet's mouth, and then he'll be enticed to battle, and he says, what I'll do. So this is the vision that he has. Now we get to this scene. Zedekiah, so remember, there's 400 prophets. They've been like, go to battle. It's going to be great. Zedekiah's got horns. He's like, you're totally going to win this thing. Then this guy, Micaiah, shows up. He's like, no, it's bad. And then he says, and all these other people have been misled by God, and they are lying, and they've got a false spirit in them. Zedekiah is so irritated, he walks over, and he slaps Micaiah across the face, and he yells at him, when did the Spirit of God leave you, leave me and go into you? He's ticked. To which Micaiah says, well, I'll tell you what. If the king comes back from battle alive, you'll know I was wrong. Great theory. (laughs) So the king puts, he says, fine. He sends Micaiah to jail. I'll see it here. And he says, give him only bread and water to drink. And then we read that he goes into battle. So he doesn't listen to Micaiah. But there's something that's a little bit nervous, because he actually says, Jehoshaphat, you wear your royal robes. Because at this time, the the king would lead the battle, right? He says, but I'm not going to wear my royal robes. He goes in disguise. He doesn't want the enemy to recognize him, because he doesn't want them to kill him. So there's something that maybe I think he was a little aware of. And so what's really interesting is that even though he's not wearing royal robes and no one from the enemy knows that he's a king, it says in the story that a stray arrow, an arrow not even meant for him, flies through the air and hits him. And somehow it hits him, it says in the Bible, between a little gap in his armor, and he bleeds to death, and he dies. It's really interesting. This is totally random arrow, random spot, and he dies. Um, We don't know after that what happens to Micaiah or Zedekiah. I don't know if Micaiah ever gets out of jail. We do know that when Jehoshaphat goes home, however, another prophet comes and says, why would you go into war with an evil king? But that's another story. So the reason I picked this story today to share with you, it might be one that a lot of you aren't as familiar with, was because we have been looking together at stories in the Bible where people have had visions. 
And we got thinking about this because it's the year 2020 and people are talking about having 2020 vision. And so we're looking at like what it means to have vision and looking at just visions in scripture and what we kind of learn about vision from that. Now, in this story, when I, when I was reading it, when I chose it, I confess that as I was thinking of all these stories, remember, Micaiah had a very clear vision, right? He had this vision of heaven and them talking about what they were going to do to Ahab and this vision of the field. Um, I thought, I'm going to talk about, because I plan these things ahead of time, despite how it may sometimes look, but I'm going to talk about how we sometimes react. What do we do if God leads us in a way we don't like? That was my first thought. But as I, which I think is interesting, because, you know, Ahab heard a message from God he didn't want, and that happens to us sometimes. Um, But then I thought there's actually something even bigger going on here that I think is really helpful for a lot of reasons. And it's the question of how we discern people that we should and shouldn't listen to, right? Especially as we're seeking wisdom. So we've talked about seeking uh, vision, and last week I talked about the role of wisdom in vision. If you've missed that sermon, you can hear it online. And we talked about how much we need to ask God for wisdom as we seek leading, right? We want God to lead us each step. And one of the things I said about wisdom is that wisdom is willing to learn from others, that wisdom will seek the advice of others, that wisdom will heed what others have to say in our lives. In Proverbs, I reminded us that it says, the way of a fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. But the question is, how do we know whose advice to listen to, right? This story tells us clearly something a lot of us have experienced. Sometimes we're going to get conflicting messages. In fact, in this story, they both claim to be speaking from God. Zedekiah, as I said, even went out of his way to make like this sermon illustration, to make his point. And here they are saying completely different things. And we may also be in situations where we find that to be true. Sometimes we'll be looking for wisdom or advice, and people will respect, we respect will give us different answers. They'll say different things to us. And sometimes it's, it's even different than that. Sometimes we're struggling to know who we should listen to as we read books, as we watch media. And this happens a lot to me. Uh, a while ago, someone came into my office, and they wanted to ask me about the Bible and some videos they'd seen on YouTube wasn't someone from the church, and they'd been watching this really obscure man on YouTube that had declared himself a prophet, and he was doing interpretations of Revelation and what all these different prophecies meant, and what they meant today, and what we should look for, and he wanted to ask about all these things. And I very quickly realized this wasn't a very uh, good person to listen to, and I said, well, I don't, I, you know, I don't think you should be watching, I wouldn't encourage you to watch these videos, I think this man's off the mark, and I was showing him some other passages, and then he said what I think is a great question, totally baffled, but this man uses the Bible and used the Bible, so how am I supposed to know which one to listen to, right? What about if I use a controversial example, and I say, what about when we watch what's happening in politics today, and we see Christians saying, um, with the tension with the President of the United States and what's happening with Iran, he is the Lord's anointed. This is what God wants us to do. And then Christians saying, this is absolutely not from God. Christians should stand against this, right? We see this all around us, different voices. Who do we listen to as we're seeking wisdom and trust that God uses others to speak, which God does? How do we discern who's from God and who isn't? I think this story gives us five insights, and I'm going to share them now. So who should we listen to? 
The first thing that we can do that I think this story shows us is that we can listen to people who have pure motives. So as we're discerning people that are worth um, letting their discernment lead us, we can ask, what are their motives? And sometimes they will be conflicted, as they were in this story. It is very clear that the 400 prophets that Ahab called were on Ahab's payroll. They were his set-apart prophets, right? They were the ones that he wanted. Otherwise, why isn't Micaiah there? Or why isn't Elijah there, who you know them, right? They are, are, there's a very clear gap. He's just surrounded him with people who agree with him. And we can see this because when the messenger goes, remember what he says? He's like, by the by, everyone's saying this. That's what you should say, too. Right? So they're like, we figured out what the king wants us to say. Here's what we should say. So their motives are mixed. Their motives are to make the king happy. And often we will have mixed motives. And if we were in business situations, we would know that's, for example, called a conflict of interest. Some of you have been in situations where you have to declare a conflict of interest, right? Because otherwise it would say, well, we can't determine your motives. So even here at our church, on our board, we have a board of seven directors. When we have situations, because this is a church where people are sometimes related, for example, last summer when we were hiring our Impact Hamilton team, which is our summer team, and I'll use a really specific example, whenever we talked about who we would hire, Andrea Montague would have to excuse herself because her daughter was applying to be on the team, right? That's called a conflict of interest. And so we know this all the time. And some PMs are going to talk to people who have a conflict of interest in your life, right? And it doesn't mean they don't love you and it's not good, but we need to look at what's going on. I remember in my own life, when I was actually just found out I was going to be considered for the position here, I was in my last semester of seminary and never dreamed that I would find a full-time pastorate so quickly. And so... During those last few months of seminary, I was in the midst of talking to uh, two of, one of my boss. I was actually working at the school in recruitment, and she was trying to get a, a permanent part-time job for me, and I was also talking to a church I was doing an internship. So the two of them were finagling, getting me half-time in each place. And I remember when I sat down with my boss uh, at the school, and I said, I've got exciting news. I think I'm going to get this job at this church. And her instant response was, that's not from God. That's a red hearing. God wants you here. <laughs> right? And, and with all of respect, I actually respect this woman, and I knew she was really wise, and I trusted her leading other times. But in that moment, she was responding, and oh, shoot, I don't want to have to train a new recruitment person, right? I want you to stay. And I knew that. So sometimes you have to ask that. And in all fairness, within a month or two, she's like, I'm so excited for you. This is clearly what God has for you. So sometimes we need to ask ourselves what motives are. And when we look at the big picture, we can see this, I think even one tip to remember when we're looking around our world and who's of God is, is someone trying to hold on to power or are they okay letting it go? And Jesus is a God who's always invited us to let go of our power. That's the model time and time again in scripture. And so I find that often if you see people um, in power and their goal seems to be to hold that tighter, and that's the advice they're giving, that may be something we should be a little leery of. So look at their motives. The next thing that we see very clearly talked about in the Bible is that people we should listen to bear good fruit. In Matthew 7, it says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. 
Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. So that's an analogy. Um, It's a metaphor. And what we talk about in Scripture, when we say good fruit, we mean is good stuff coming out of your lives. Now, one of the things what we ask ourselves with people who are claiming to speak for God is, is what they're saying, does it come true? Scripture says that clearly. You can tell a prophet um, if it comes true, which is actually what Micaiah says, right? He says, okay, if the king comes back alive, then I was wrong. And if he dies, then I was right, and you'll know I was right. This may not prove helpful when you'd like advice ahead of time. (laughs) But one of the things that we can do is ask, what about their track record? right? We can say, well, what about in the past? In the past, is this someone who's proven to be wise? Is it someone that's when they'd spoken into a situation before, that it did come to be that what they sensed was right? That's a good thing to look at. Fruit also um, talks about the good things coming out of our lives. And the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And it says that those of us who are spilled with the Spirit of God, the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. In this story, we see an example of someone who is very much the opposite of this. Did you notice what happens to Zedekiah when he's challenged? I don't think that's right. I think God is something else. He grows furious, and he slaps somebody. That's interesting, isn't it? That doesn't look to someone to me that has the fruit of the Spirit in them. The fruit of the Spirit is love and patience and kindness And so he resorts to rage. It's not to say that sometimes our emotions won't get the better of us, but what do we see in someone's life who's claiming to speak for God? Do they have good fruit? And sometimes we see these terrible tricks, right? When someone's like, I think the church should do this, and if you don't do this, I'm leaving. Or if you don't do this, I'm going to stop tithing. I'm not going to give money anymore. And they use manipulative strategies. Sometimes it's out of fear, but we can ask ourselves, is this the fruit of the Spirit? Or is this someone speaking out of maybe their own motives and they don't have that Spirit? People who have uh, heard from God, I also think this is connected. They don't need to prove themselves. Notice that Micaiah just says, eh, well, if you don't come back alive, I was right. If you come back alive, I was wrong. Micaiah starts yelling, slapping people. I'm right. Micaiah is willing to say, this is what I think God's saying. Let's see what God does, right? (laughs) It's not about him being right or wrong. And so that's something we can look for. I think another thing we can look for are people who've been set apart for a role. Micaiah had been, was clearly a prophet that was called by God. At this point in history, when the Bible's being written down with the people of God, they believed one of the ways God spoke was through God-ordained prophets. They believed they, God spoke through dreams, but prophets as well. But the prophets had a call from God. I don't know if those other 400 prophets did, if it was just people who were like, I'll be a prophet. It's interesting that Jehoshaphat says, can we find a prophet of God? He'd been set apart for that role. Now, today, when we're looking for people who maybe can give us wisdom, we probably aren't going to find people who are like, I'm a set-apart prophet from God. We might have some of those in our lives. We have some of those in our church. But we can find people who've been set apart for the role to which we're looking. And so we we already know a very obvious example, right? If we want medical advice, we don't tend to ask our our we don't tend to ask our esthetician, right? We tend to ask a doctor for medical advice. In the same way, if you are looking for wisdom about relationships, you can look for someone who you know is good at relationships. (laughs) 
Not someone who always is in the same situation that you're in. So we do this sometimes, right? We're like, oh, I'm in this absolutely terrible situation. Should I keep dating the same awful person I've always been dating? Well, if I call up my friend Katie, she'll say yes, because she also keeps dating the same awful people, and we can just agree with each other, and then I'll feel good for a bit longer, right? And we all do it. We all do it in different ways. Are we looking at people who have clearly got a gift in that area, who can speak into that area? That's a good thing to do. And finally, prophets who are from God and those that speak for God. And I'm not saying that every time we speak we're a prophet, but those who we can listen to will align with Scripture. They will not contradict Scripture. And I say this over and over. The interesting thing is here that in this story of Ahab, this is actually near the end of his story, and God had already told Ahab the end of his story before. Elijah had told him, in 1 Kings 21, 19, he had said that you will die and dogs will lick up your blood in a particular spot. He had murdered someone. There'd been all these things. He said, you're going to die and your blood's going to be licked up here. So when Micaiah's like, dude, you're going to die on this battlefield, I don't know. I'd probably be like, I should listen to that. Like this pattern is continuing. And so it had aligned with what God had already said. And you know what's interesting? At the end of this story, it says that after Ahab dies, that he bleeds out on the battlefield. He bleeds to death and he dies in this chariot. And then they bring the chariot and they wash it in that very spot. And it says, the dogs come and lick up the blood. As the Lord has prophesied, as the Lord prophesied, his blood was licked up exactly where God. I know it's very gruesome, but it's interesting that he aligned, Micaiah aligned with what scripture had said. That's a really good one to remember, especially if we're looking at teachers sometimes in the media, and often they'll say, This is what the Bible says, but does it line up with all of scripture? So, a great example would be the one I started with. Why was I hesitant about this? person that this guy was showing me online was because he was saying the specific time the world was going to end. And he was using all these Bible verses to say, this is the month, and this is the time, and this is the day. And I could very quickly look to when Jesus said, no one will know the day or the hour. And so that, contra that contradicts scripture. And so that's something we need to hesitate to listen to. So what about us? We are people who seek vision. I do. We see, I think that. We seek guidance. That's what I mean by vision. And we seek wisdom for that guidance, and we want God's leading. And God does give us people who can speak into our lives. Sometimes people that we know well, sometimes people we don't know well, people in our church, our pastors, other leaders, sometimes family members, so many different things. But we always wonder how we discern if we should listen to that voice. Like Ahab, we will always be tempted to say, that person agreed with me, so that sounds good to me. That's a common temptation. But how can we be wiser than Ahab? It doesn't mean that everyone who speaks from God will, will disagree with us, but how can we avoid that pitfall? And we can do the same thing. And here's just a series of questions. We can ask ourselves, are they operating out of allegiance to something other than God? Do they have mixed motives? Do they have the fruit of the Spirit in their lives? Do they have a track record of being wise? Are they humble enough to trust that their words can stand for themselves and they don't have to prove themselves? Is this an area in which they have wisdom? Does what they say align with the word of God? As we seek direction and leading and God speaks through others, we can receive God's leading. And I think in front of us, there will always be the choice to listen to the Zedekiahs 
the safe ones that make us feel good, or to listen to the Micaiahs, the ones that we realize really are speaking from God. The question is, will we choose to be like Ahab? It didn't end great for Ahab. I'll just stop there. Let me pray for us. And so, God, I do ask that you would help us to be wise, and as we discern the voices that we should let guide us in our lives, give us wisdom to recognize them. Amen.